For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this podcast. This is episode 47. My name is Tim Mitter and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kulide in Mr. Mississauga, Ontario. I oh, know, by the way, I'm in Toronto, but yeah, let me do that again. Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, what the hell? I'm in Toronto. Jonathan, you're Mississauga? Uh, here I am in Mississauga. Let's go Raptors. Let's go Raptors. Kawhi, Kawhi. We're going to get Kawhi tattooed up. All the kids are going to be called Kawhi from now on. Well, it's probably better than Daenerys, so. True, true. Well, I mean, even the 15-year-old, he'll be called Kawhi. He won't oh. he'll understand, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Number one fan of the show, Kawhi. Cool line. That works. Yes. Yes. Uh, if we could just find a K middle name, we'll be all set. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's not do that. All right. Now that we're all laughing our heads off, do we have any fact check? Well, we can sort of do the. We can share the fact check, I guess, right? Well, uh, yeah. If you want to, you want to start us off. Sure. I think last week I was talking about the show, which is an awesome show called Life on Mars. Um, and I was talking about, I think, uh, what was the name of the guy? Oh, I forget the name of the actor. But anyway, um, that was a show about uh, John Shim. He plays uh, DCI to Sam Taylor, who finds himself, you know, in 1973 after some sort of accident. And uh, so the second show that I couldn't remember the name of is Ashes to Ashes, which, of course, takes place in the 80s. Get it? No, maybe unless you have to be a really big uh, Bowie fan to get that one, I guess. I don't think you need to be a big Bowie fan. I think even, well, a, even a casual someone. Bowie fan might get that one right okay so yeah and of course you know uh bowie actually makes a, a cameo appearance in, in one of the early episodes of ashes to ashes he plays a clown which i didn't know so i'll have to go back and watch it again i guess um but anyway so there was an american sequel as well um oh so oh, i've got 458 was that me did you add that or did i add oh that? so no yeah i added that that's uh you, I think that my um that was my okay. note because i didn't see that you would put that in until i pasted mine in okay all right so yeah so i, I started talking about it at 4 30 actually in the show but last week but i I also have a link here, and I'll put it in show notes to Life on Mars, the the UK trailer, the original one. The Americans did, of course, a copy of Life on Mars, and uh, it was not bad. And then, uh, of course, I've got a link here to the Ashes to Ashes one. And Ashes to Ashes one is about a lady named DCI Alex Drake who gets shot. She remembers seeing the bullet, and the next thing she knows, she's in 1981. And of course, being a female cop in 1981 was quite different than being a female cop in the 2000s, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I can imagine. As you can imagine. So a lot of, you know, and it's funny, I think one of the characters, I think um, John Sims' partner in the first series is her captain in the second series. I think I think that's one of the connections. Yeah, it's quite quite good. And Life on Mars, um, the uh, the U.S. one is interesting. But it's interesting because 
because um, typical of the U.S. or typical of U.K. shows, it only went for two series, two series, and then they wrap it up, right? Uh, yeah, two, six shows or whatever. Yeah, don't Same spoil a good thing. Yeah, so but but and I'm going to spoil the American one because the American one spoils it by saying how they explain it is he wakes up on and he's an astronaut on his way to Mars. That's weird. Yeah, and he's dream life on Mars, can it? And he's dreaming like he's in suspended animation. He has this whole fantasy about being this cop in the 1970s. Weird, That's eh? Very weird, yes. But, you know, so it's like a weird sort of sci-fi cop show. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's interesting because, I mean, all the, all the while you're watching it, you're kind of thinking, like, because they do actually try and explain themselves to some of their confidants, right? And and uh, they kind of look and go, whoa, that's kind of weird, you know? Anyway, at one point, one of the, one of the one, as he's, as one of them is explaining to, to one of the co-workers, you're kind of like Luke Skywalker, you know? <laughs> anyway, I must have been in the Ashes to Ashes one based on the time frame. Anywho, so do we have any more fact check? Yeah, a couple more things. So uh, we were talking about the highest grossing movies uh, in our last pod, and we were talking about the ones, you know, we were talking about how Avengers Endgame is creeping up there. And we mentioned adjusted for inflation, and I said, I think Gone with the Wind is still the highest grossing film of all time, adjusted for inflation, because it was such a huge phenomenon right. when it first yep. came out. So uh, our good uh, uh, friends here at IMDb have a list of the highest grossing blockbusters of all time, adjusted for inflation. Um, so we'll find that you can find that link in here. Gone with the Wind. So so let me start with Avengers Endgame. So Avengers Endgame, as of this list uh, being up, is $2.48 billion, which is phenomenal. Uh, but if you adjust for inflation, that's st- still the sixth highest grossing movie of all time. Wow. Hmm. Uh, fifth is Sound of Music, uh, $2.5 billion. Uh, Star Wars, adjusted for inflation, about $2.9 to $3 billion, depending on how you calculate that. That's the first movie? That's the original 1977 Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Right. Avatar is uh, $3.2 billion. Titanic, 3.2 to 3.4, depending on uh, adjustments. And Gone with the Wind, 3.4 to $3.8 billion in today's money. Wow. I thought cool. I heard the other day that I saw something James Cameron tweeted that, that the Endgame had taken had overtaken Endgame. Sorry, it, it, over, overtaken So, so in actual dollars, uh, and Avengers Endgame is number two now because uh, it passed okay. Titanic, which in actual dollars, uh, uh, the highest grossing film in actual dollars is still Avatar, followed okay. now by Avengers Endgame, followed by Titanic. So he was congratulating them on passing Titanic, um, which is very magnanimous of him considering he still has the top spot as opposed to the top two spots. Um, but yeah, if you adjust the in- for inflation, it's it's still not even close. Like, I mean, it's still a billion and a half dollars off for an agent flush, uh, adjusted for inflation dollar. Right. Um, okay. So yeah, it just gives you a sense of, you know, blockbusters have been a thing for a long time where we're, you know, we're very much in the world where we're like, oh my gosh, look at all the money that's being made. But again, the, you know, phenomenons like these movies have been a thing for a long time. Uh, you know, Gone with the Wind is 1939. Um, you know, at, at the time, it made $400 million uh, at the box office. But again, adjust for inflation, you know, they were selling tickets for, you know, 10 cents a ticket. Like it's, it's, it's really? staggering, wow. you know? Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that it made, has made that much money is, is again, it's a breathtaking amount of money for, for the time and even now. True. True. And Kirby has something to say about it, obviously. Yes. I think that squirrel got off my lawn. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I had in here uh, is at 3305, we were talking about fan-made Star Trek series, and I couldn't remember which one we were speaking about, because there have been oh. many over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found this link, and it's just a Wikipedia page, so take it for what it's worth. But the Wikipedia page lists all the Star Trek fan productions, uh, some films, some series, you know, web series and stuff like that. Um, it's amazing. There's so many. Like, uh, 
I, I, I'm amazed by how many there are. Um, you know, I think the ones we were talking about were probably, um, well, there's Star Trek Phase 2. We talked about Star Trek Continues was the one. Star Trek Continues was in here, yeah. So, and, yeah. Uh, and the one that our listener fan, friend of my sister's, uh, I think it was Star Trek NXR. XNR? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty impressive when you look down this list of, you know, the, the, the number of the, that there are and all the work that's gone into them. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of a neat little little trip, I must admit. I'm not huge on the Star Wars fan production, or Star Trek fan, fan productions, I should say. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really kind of cool to go down this list and realize. And then the, you, you look through this, the first one was 1974. So people were doing this, you know, way back in the time. You know, they're shooting it on uh, uh, an hour-long film on uh, 16 millimeter film. So. So, oh. so this just in, basically, I'm wearing an Apple Watch right now, so of course I've got Apple News on it. U.S. President Donald Trump has just fully pardoned Canadian newspaper publisher Conrad Black. <laughs> well, how nice for him. How convenient, yes. Boy. Anyway. Anyway. All right, let's move on. Let's All move right. on to the real headlines. Headlines. Okay, so uh, hot off the uh, the discussion we finished off our last podcast with, uh, we got news this weekend. The Orville has officially been renewed for season three. Um, I guess it's not that big a surprise, although we uh, we did outline in our last uh, pod some of the potential reasons why it may not have come back. Um, there's still no word about a and a contract extension for Seth MacFarlane. Uh, oh, really? But, yeah, no, that, that wasn't part of the uh, part Maybe of the release. Fall in a tar pit or something. But uh, but I guess one way or the other, the show is coming back. So uh, good news for fans of the Orville. Again, right. I, th- I think it finished strong, and uh, you know I think you and I both agree that uh, it's probably not our favorite piece of sci-fi right now. But I think it's it's certainly watchable, and there, there's mm-hmm. certainly a lot of room for growth. So hopefully it will. Uh, continue to, to improve. Right. Now, I, I just have to point out that at the moment when I was tweeting last week about your three points, about your three facts about, you know, the Orville that people hadn't been thinking about, like the one that hadn't been renewed and all that kind of stuff, right, was at that moment was when this story broke. <laughs> yes, I have been evil and karma gods have punished me for mocking the Orville. Yeah, there you go. All right. So uh, here's another one. Actually, I think I may have made it my pick. Yes, I did make it my pick. Um, so this is a story This. It was came out. I saw this on um, I forget which site. Oh, I guess it would be IndieWire.com. Um, the headline is: What if Netflix released a seventy million dollar blockbuster and no one noticed? Oh wait, they just did, right? Um, and they're talking about the movie called Wandering Earth, which is this amazing and it might be a pick later. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, amazing Chinese science fiction movie that apparently was was like all the rage in in China. Like, and watching it, it's like the production value is like second to none it's like you know avengers endgame quality good and it's a space sci-fi, you know, like it's it's like it's like uh, anything. Well, not quite as far as really Scott, but it's got that sort of grand scape scale to it, you know, um, yep. that kind of good quality stuff. Look, it's it's a really it's an amazing movie. It you know, you know of course, it's shown in in with English uh, overdubbing, right? And the the overdubbing and the subtitles don't match up, which is comical. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch. I, it's it's you know because of the, I think I think it's one of these things where you can't, I think it would be better seen if you understood Chinese and could listen to it in the original language because it probably probably loses a lot in the tra- in not in the translation but in the you know what I mean like the yeah, yeah. the syncing I guess you know you don't really notice that they're not talking English because it's a, it's a grand scale movie I definitely recommend it people have a look at it yeah I saw the trailer for it the other day and thought this is unusual I should, I should maybe watch it. we did talk we did talk about it um like it wasn't like we didn't notice we did notice because we talked about it 
sometime in the middle of our first season, so mm-hmm. it might have been my pick. I can't remember if it was mine or Jaime's or whatever. Yep. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Actually, I guess we'll look it up while you introduce the next thing. All right. Um, so we got news as well from uh, Netflix. Speak Netflix. Um, they are going to be teaming up to uh, produce more Dark Horse comics-based series. So Umbrella Academy, obviously something we've all watched, um, was a was a hit for them, and uh, enough that they are uh, going to do more of that. So they've signed a deal that they can uh, access a little bit more from that catalog. So no word yet on what they're going to delve into, but um, you know, famous series from that uh, from that comic publisher. Um, you know, they could do The Mask, which is a famous film. Obviously, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey uh, is a Dark Horse property. Sin City, the uh, the uh, Frank Miller series. Uh, they have Emily the Strange, very popular, uh, you know, sort of quirky series. Um, they have Concrete. They, you know, there's so many really, really strong um, Dark Horse public, uh, publications they could choose from. Yeah, so yeah. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of sort of doom and gloom about, you know, the fact that they've sort of cut their ties with Marvel and what are they going to do? Obviously, they're still working on, uh, they had acquired Miller World, which is um, uh, based on the comic uh, properties of Mark Miller, the uh, Scottish uh, writer who's very prolific and created the, the series like uh, the film Wanted is based on his work and uh, he's done a whole bunch of stuff. So it seems like they're still not out of the superhero comic book genre game, uh, mm-hmm. but maybe they're going a different direction. Pretty cool. Right, right, cool. Uh, do you want to sub in for, for Jaime? Jaime's left us some notes in absentia. He's uh, away on business this week. What so, does uh, he say? Um, wait, does, <clears> those, two are, wait. those two are interrelated. That's why I stuck that one up there. Have you read them? I haven't even looked at them. Oh, okay. Well, so yeah, I can. Uh, so the first one is that um, we got news that the Pard series that is going to be coming to uh, CBS All Access is going to stream internationally on Amazon Prime Video and not Netflix, which is interesting because uh, obviously there is a partnership there established with Star Trek Discovery internationally airing on Netflix. Uh, and we also, uh, that sort of left us with a day of speculation. Okay, well, they announced it for international, but not for North America. Um, right. What is that going to mean for us? And the following day, they announced that it's actually going to air on Space Channel and Crave here in Canada. So just like uh, Discovery, you'll be able to get that on Space and Crave. So good for us, but a little confusing for International, because now you're looking at having to have two platforms if you want to continue to watch uh, stuff from the same universe, which is a little weird. Right. We didn't talk about the Apple TV app, did we, last week? No. It just I think it just dropped this week. Um, I have it installed on my iPad, so I can have a look at it. Because one of the big stories about that is that, that Netflix seems to be the only, one of the companies that's left in the cold, because they don't want to they want to, don't want to align with Apple. But, you know, like you can get HBO, you can get Crave, all that kind of stuff on the Apple app. So, and you, so in other words, you would do your subscription through the App Store. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, you could, you know, go to Rogers and you, and you just like the TM Go, TMN Go app or HBO Go. What do we, what do we call? Oh, Crave, I guess. It's Crave now. Yeah. Crave, Crave has absorbed those. Just like that. You can set up an account with Crave and watch it. You know, you just log in that way. Mm -hmm. Like, I watched, I watched a bit of a show that I missed on um, my PVR because I I didn't get back to the PVR in time. It races every two weeks. But um, so I was able to watch the show, but I just had to log into my Rogers account. So I I would assume if you have Bell content, and it seems to be smart enough to know what, you know, what content you have from each a different provider. So I think you're able to create multiple associations that way, which is kind of weird and cool at the mm. same time. But it kind of leaves Netflix, you know, hanging a bit. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. well, we're going to keep going into, uh, we've got a few different ones in a row here that are going to tie into the uh, streaming sure. services and where these things are going too, because mm-hmm. it, 
it's been a complicated week and it's going to keep getting more complicated as time passed here. Right, right. So uh, Jaime had a story for us here that uh, AT&T is going to pull its licensed series from Netflix and Hulu. Um, and, you know, I think we'd had a hint that that was coming. We had a story previously about Netflix being in trouble for, for losing it, but it, now it's not just them. It's um, it's all streaming services are going to lose this stuff because um, AT&T uh, is going to pull its Warner Media stuff, which means, again, Friends, Office, um, some of the most popular streaming series that are available on uh, some of the other platforms are, are out the window. Um, Where are they going to go? Well, they're going to start their own app, of course. Tim, oh, come on. Seriously. That's how it goes. So uh, NBC Universal is going to be starting its own app next year. Uh, I'm telling so, you guys are miss, going to miss cable in a few years. I, I know. It's, it's going to seem like the halcyon days. Or, you know, hey, here's a nutty thought. You can buy still buy TV on DVD for like That's pennies true. on the dollar. That's you know, true. if I want to watch, uh, a, you know, I don't know what, Star Trek, I have all the Star Treks on DVD still. I can just pop those in my player and I don't have to worry about having a streaming service. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 we're starting to see more and more, you know, everybody was licensed their things out to these third parties for the longest time. Now everybody's like, hey, why are we doing this? We're not going to make nearly what we'd make if we get people to sign up and, you know, charge them by the month. So, yeah, more and more people are realizing that the content is key. Again, that's what made Disney's acquisition of Fox so shrewd is that, you know, sure, it cost them, you know, $60 billion, but to be able to pull together their catalog plus the catalog of all that, uh, plus this, the new stuff that they're developing, uh, you know, it's going to give them the pretty powerful uh, leverage for people who are like, I don't know which one of these things to choose. And it's also going to continue as we see these things eroding around them. You know, think about what's on Netflix now and think, okay, so if that was boiled down to mostly just their originals and a few small partnerships, that changes the landscape a lot. Um, and especially considering Netflix has been leveraging pretty hard over the last couple of years, uh, spending a lot of money on production. Um, if they start to see declines in, in revenue from streaming, that's going to hurt, right? Mm -hmm. How much do we start getting ads in our uh, Netflix queues? to try and help make up the shortfalls. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so I, I was going to say that it was interesting. I went to um, a talk yesterday at our local iOS meetup, and a friend of mine, Mark Pavlidis, did a talk on subscriptions, which was kind of interesting from as an app developer, kind of interesting to me. But a couple of facts he, he put out was uh, that uh, uh, 80%, I think 80% of apps on the App Store right now are subscription-based, right? Mm. So, and, and the terminology he used, he, at one point in the, in the talk, he said, we're living, we're in a rental economy right now, which, you know, kind of makes sense in that sense that like, you know, Jaime's, we're all talking about like the speculating about these, like, you know, Jaime signs up for CBS All Access during, uh, you know, Star Trek De um, Discovery, and then he, then he cancels the subscription and then he'll renew it again next year until CBS All Access comes with, with enough shows that he would just continue to perpetuate his, his, his contract, right? Yep. So that's, I think that, that may be the way people, people kind of consume this stuff. I mean, people will sign up for HBO until Game of Thrones is done, and then they'll, then they'll they'll quit, right? So yeah, um, that's kind of a that's kind of sort of where we're going. But it's interesting that you know because the reason why Mark gave the talk was that he built an app that you know it was pretty successful. Um, they won Apple Apple Design Awards for it and all that kind of stuff. But they started looking at subscriptions a couple of years ago, and then as Apple has sort of uh, lightened the restrictions on what you can do with subscriptions, he's they've they've sort of gotten more and more into it. So he was sharing some of the knowledge that he's gained over the last couple of years and it's kind of a slow trickle you know like it, it, it slowly it just climbs up and up and up and up in terms of in terms of uh, people subscribing to your product right so I think I mean obviously everybody's getting it you know you kind of think that people are getting it I 
would think that people are getting into subscriptions like the AT&Ts and Disney's and, you know, because they see what Netflix is doing, they see what Hulu's doing, they see what the, they see the writing on the wall, you know, they missed the boat on, on the whole um, Napster thing, right? Um, and Apple's clearly making a huge profit and successful on subscriptions as well. Like it's, I think, up to almost 30% of their business now. Yeah. Which is a lot, 15% anyway. But uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see where that's going. And, and I think that's the reality is we're no longer going to have, be satisfied with just a, you know, a Rogers or a Bell TV subscription. We're going to have to have all these other things if we want to consume these shows, right? Yeah, no, it's true. I think, uh, you know, it, it is, the landscape is changing and it's not just changing, you know, year by year. It's changing month by month. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of crazy. Yeah. So as we continue our, our uh, dissect, dissection of the world of streaming services, so uh, Disney has now assumed full control of Hulu. Um, you know, we knew that they had obviously purchased the stake that Fox owned uh, in, in their acquisition of Fox's assets. Um, but they've also, uh, they have bought, Hulu bought back its share of uh, interest that was owned by AT&T, right, right. which was 9.5%. So Disney and Comcast together have agreed to buy that portion. And uh, so now it's basically, there's only two owners left. It's Disney owns portion, they own the, the majority share, and Comcast owns the other 33%. So it's 66 to 33. Right. Um, but Comcast and Disney entered into this agreement that allows Disney to uh, take full control of it. So they basically get to run it. Um, and Comcast and Disney both have the right in 2024 to exercise a purchase of the remaining 33% from Comcast to Disney. Really? So okay. it's basically, it's a short-term deal um, that allows Comcast to get its ducks in a row for doing its own thing. And then they're going to pull the plug on their interest in it. And then it'll be basically a Disney-only app. So you, you, you're not American and I'm not American, but I, I suspiciously noticed that there's a peacock on the top of Comcast's logo. There is. There so, is. do they own NBC, NBC Universal? They do. Yes. Yeah, so that's they're going to do their own app starting oh, okay, next right. year, and they're going to basically simultaneously have their stuff on Hulu, and they're going to have their stuff on their own app. Oh, and I then see, right. within a couple of years, they'll be able to basically exercise the right to take that content back. Right. Right. So, wow. so it- what it does mean though is that that if you look at the slate that is now out there for Disney, they as we talked about, this is where we thought they were going. They're going to have uh, Disney. Disney Plus, which is going to be their PG platform. They're going to have Hulu, which is going to allow them to do the more mature stuff because we already established they're, they're starting to uh, program for that already. They're going to do Ghost Rider and some of the more mature Marvel comic stuff. I imagine, you know, some of those properties that they acquired from Fox, like Aliens, um, will end up there. Um, and then they've also got things like Freeform and some of the sort of, you know, lighter stuff as well. Mm. Um, tie that into owning ABC and ESPN and you basically, you, you can sell that as individual streaming services or collective streaming services. So, hey, you could pay $8 a month for each one of these, or if you bundle them, you can get them for 25 bucks a month. Mm, Um, You know, and uh, so uh, as part of this, uh, the understanding is that Hulu is, uh, Disney has said that they plan to launch Hulu in Canada soon. So, Oh, really? Yeah. So this is, you know, it's easy to look at this and say, well, this is not our our issue, but we know that uh, they're not going to launch day of as same as 
is uh, Disney Plus. They're not going to launch it immediately here in Canada or internationally, but we do know that uh, the plan is to take both those things international as well. So, um, yeah, so again, more platforms, more services, but uh, it sounds like they're going to have the content to fill those things too, which is, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good, but it's going to be even more spread out. Right, right. Mm. So our next story, I read this as Conan shows canceled. No, no. Lauren Cohan. Aha. So uh, Lauren Cohan found out this week that Whiskey Cavalier, her uh, series at ABC, has been canceled after one season. Uh, famously, she was in a contract dispute with uh, AMC over continuing to stay on The Walking Dead and mm-hmm. decided that she would uh, take a hiatus. She didn't actually quit the show. She took a hiatus from the show to go work on Whiskey Cavalier. Mm-hmm. And she did uh, go do that. And apparently it was uh, a one season, one and done. Wow. So, yeah. So she's gone. Um, and there's no con- confirmation yet whether or not she's going back to Walking Dead or she's doing something else. But right. uh, that certainly opens the door for, for uh, Walking Dead fans, who I'm sure are pretty excited at the prospect of getting her back because she was one of the highlights. Yeah, yeah. And they, all they did was it throughout the whole series. They kept saying, where's, where is she? Where'd Maggie go? Have mm. you seen Maggie? Yeah, I think I saw her go that way a little while ago. But, yeah, exactly. Well, and again, they did. They deliberately didn't write her out. And they knew they were sort of, you know, losing a little strength. Uh, obviously, Andrew Lincoln moving on as well. So right, yeah. it is a big deal for them to, uh, to you know, try to keep the door open anyways. So I don't know if I told you, but I'm done with The Walking Dead. Yeah, I, I haven't watched anything this season. I, I might catch up with it if it ends up back on Netflix or some other service. I might, you know, binge it over the summer or something. But I just couldn't commit doing it on a week by week basis. Well, it's not so, not so much that. I think some of the some of the plot lines have gotten just wrong, weird, strange, Game of Thrones ish, or they're trying to be like Game of Thrones, and it just it's gotten you know it's like I, I remember I asked I asked our friend friend of the show George Stromalopoulos once about The Walking Dead. He just says I just I don't watch that show, and I go and I go why not? And he goes well because it's he knows how it's going to end. It's all was going to be the same. Just going to keep walking through the countryside, killing zombies, you know, like. Yeah. And that was one of the strengths of the show. Like one of the reasons I loved the comic from the first time I read it, which was a very long time ago now. Um, one of the reasons I loved it is because it, it, it answers that question. What happens after? Right. And it just continues into like, not just how do you survive that initial outbreak or whatever, but yeah, how do you continue yeah. to live in that world? What do you do? What, what, what choices will you make? I thought that was really, really smart. Uh, and this series has done a good job capturing that too. The question is, you know, how long can you sustain? that um right yeah you know yeah. At, at a point it, it's you know the stars are getting you know well i want to go do something else and that's you know how long can you keep the momentum of that up without it becoming stale and i think we might be getting our answer yeah i mean and like you know, introducing characters like negan. negan negan was a little bit little too far for me like like it's kind of like you know i i don't don't condone that behavior so why am i watching it on tv why am i buying into this thing why am i supporting this right yep and because i think like right from the get-go when he first showed up and did what he did you know i didn't i didn't really like that and then this season there was another character or a series of yeah, a character just like negan in the sense that just took it a little too far for me right and mm-hmm. um you know um short of killing puppies you know what i was kind of saying like yeah it was just it just went too far and and this and like it's just I, I don't see it ever ending it's just it's like watching depression you know well that's <laughs> and, i mean they say it's like agony porn right it's just yeah it's, it's not yeah. 
you know, it's kind of lost its, you know, sort of social insight through line and its its sure. optimism that this could get better. It's just become, you know, it gets better just so that they, they build them up so they can knock them down. And, and there's yeah. only so much of that you can take before you just either you become numb to it or you just hate it and walk away. And I think right. more than a few people have just walked away. Well, speaking of agony porn, um, ABC also canceled The Kids Are All Right the other day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched The Kids Are All Right. It's a 70s show about a, a Catholic family, husband and wife with, with eight kids. And the kids are just like, it, it's it's comedy gold. I mean, like it, it's from an agony point of view, anybody who grew up in the 70s and some of you guys who grew up in the 80s would appreciate, you know, like putting putting your brother in a cardboard box and pushing him off the roof, that kind of comedy, right? <laughs> um, you know, all these, the kids are all, and it's, it's sort of, it's sort of a boy meets world kind of thing where the, you know, the adult is narrating the story about the younger, I guess it's similar to young Sheldon in, in that sense too, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's got that sort of, it's instead of boy meets world, it's like family meets world. And all of the boys have particular characters about them. One of them is like the real con artist kind of guy. Uh, another one is the do-gooder, you know, there's the, the son that went into the clergy and then changed his mind and grew his hair, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, walks around bare feet and stuff like that. But, and the, the, the mother and father are, are, I don't want to say classic seventies parents, but sort of like ridiculously funny. Like they're, they're, they, they, they have the kids because they have to have kids and, you know, they're all there's to it and they get through their days. It's, it's pretty funny. And, uh, there was a tweet went out yesterday by, uh, narrated by one of the characters on the show, um, that sort of talked about the fact that ABC canceled them and, and hoping that Netflix picks them up. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's so. always the, the, the lament this time of year is people are like, Oh, you know, my favorite series has been canceled. Who will pick, who will pick it up? Oh, is, is it cancel season or something? Yeah, well, this is the time of year that the upfronts start happening. So this is, yes, oh. this is the sort of couple weeks where series wrap up a lot of the sort of stereotypical September to May series wrap up. And then, uh, yeah, we get sort of the news of their cancellations and, you know, non-renewals and, you know, short-term renewals. So every, all the major networks have done their announcements this week of, of what's been canceled and what has uh, been renewed and also what their new series will be that have been picked up from pilots. It's pretty much the only show that I had queued up on my PBS, PBR from uh, from ABC recently. It's my Tuesday night show. So, yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, I lost uh, the one of the only a few series that were canceled that, that I uh, was watching, but Life in Pieces is a, uh, a funny show that I enjoy and that one got canceled too, a comedy. Really? Hmm. But, uh, you know, again, it's the way things go, right? You know, the, the way that these businesses are run, you know, they need to see whatever it is they need to see and they don't have to go. Well, I mean, George, ta- we talked to George about um, CNN once and, and I, I can't remember if I asked him on a podcast or asking in person, but he kind of said that, you know, when you when you sell to, I think it was on, on Roundabout Creative Chaos, but when you sell a show, you sell 13 shows. You do, you, the contract is you do these 13 shows I'm, and I'm talking about his, his talk format show that was on CNN for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he kept getting bumped because, you know, people kept doing bad things on CNN and then they had to break away and, and cover that, right? Yep. So more often than not, I watched Anderson Cooper rather than George when I wanted to watch the show. But um, And he had some interesting, interesting guests, but some of the shows just never never going to see the light of day because they just, you know, they were bought by CNN and they got shelved, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, there, was, there wasn't enough of them shown for him to gain any ground and they kind of went went away. But that's the way it goes in TV land. Yep. Anyway, so um, yeah, so uh, you've got a story here about the Game of Thrones. Game seems. of Thrones, yes. So uh, there was a, a bit of a buzz this week uh, after the penultimate episode aired that uh, that perhaps George R.R. R. Martin was waiting for the end of the TV series and then was going to suddenly drop the right. final two books. Um, and so everyone was, you know, excited at the prospect of, oh, is this is happening, this is happening. 
Um, and so it was actually, um, it was Ian McElhinney who played Barristan Selmy on Game of Thrones from seasons one through five. Um, he was the member of the King's Guard who was fired by Joffrey and then he went across the sea and worked for Daenerys for a while. Right. He, he uh, was appearing at a fan convention and he said, um, the alleged quotes at this here on Entertainment Weekly, I'll say, I'll say it's alleged quotes. Uh, George already has written books six and seven. As far as he's concerned, there are only seven books. Um, but he struck an agreement with David and Dan, the showrunners on the series, that he would not publish the final two books until the series was complete. Um, so George R. R. Martin, of course, hopped onto social this week to say, if they were done, I would put them out there. I make millions of dollars and so do my publishers. If there were book books were finished, they would be here. Yeah. So yeah. Um, a bit of a nonsense rumor, but it did uh, get people excited for a little while there because, uh, you know, this seemed like somebody who could be in the know. Uh, but apparently he has been shot full of holes and uh, is back, been debunked by George R. R. Martin, who said, yeah, if the books were done, you'd have the books. Right, right. Okay. Um, yeah. And speaking of Game of Thrones, uh, we got confirmation this week. So we had talked last week about how uh, we're going to be getting the alternating uh, Avatar and Star Wars movies starting in 2021. Uh, the next Star Wars movie after uh, Last Skywalker, which is coming out this December, is going to be not until 2022. And we weren't sure what we were getting, if that was going to be uh, uh, Gareth Edwards, uh, who did The uh, Last Jedi, um, or if it was going to be the one that was being worked on by uh, Benioff and Weiss, the two co-creators of the series Game of Thrones and this week it was confirmed it is going to be the, the Benioff and Weiss so they've now wrapped up Game of Thrones they're going to have a little bit of a breather and then they're going to spend the next few years working on uh, the first in, first mm. installment of their Star Wars trilogy which we still don't know what it's going to be about uh, but apparently it is going to be away from the Star Wars uh, Skywalker saga right, right interesting cool and the last little bit I got here today Yay. was some really great news uh, for fans of Rick and Morty Rick and Morty is Ooh. coming back in November uh, we got a little little teaser video that came out today uh, we have the, the link in the show notes. You can have a look at it. It doesn't really say very much, but uh, just the fact that it's coming back uh, almost a two, well, over two years, be more than two years by the time that uh, it finally comes back in November. So the last season aired. Um, obviously, the, the creators uh, have signed a very lucrative deal to keep producing those. So uh, this is the first of many seasons to come. Hopefully it won't take that long between the two. But considering how high the quality level has been over the last three seasons, I guess we'll take it. Right. right cool. So there's a little poll here on the website that you've linked here, and I just took it. So Rick is Rick is in the lead here, or Rick Rick Morty, or cannot choose um, whether people whether music is important to you in your life. Most people said I like it, and some, the next ones it's it's important to me. Uh, the average or the the biggest uh, fan base is uh, fifty five to sixty four. There you mm-hmm. go, Rick fans, go Rick. <laughs> um, it's hard not to love Rick. Yeah, what is he? What is it? What's his word? His word he he make up made up? I can't remember. Love 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 dub. No, strangely uh, or something like that. Something like that. Anyway, Swifty, Swifty, Swifty. Yeah, it's Swifty. Swifty. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes. And fifty-six uh, percent are male, so forty-four percent female. That's not too far behind. Yep. Cool. All right. Looking forward to that. I like mm-hmm. that show. I, I, it's funny. I've only watched season three in reruns on on um, on the television set here. It's not on any of the streaming services, is it? Um, no, but uh, we we get Adult Swim here in Canada now, so Ooh, you Adult can Swim. You, you can catch it on uh, on the Adult Swim channel here now. So oh, I have to find out where that is. Is that a yeah. social, like a Rogers thing or? Uh, yeah. No. Comes as, I, I don't know if it's on standard package, but I, I, it popped up for me one day. It was just like, hey, you get this channel now. I was like, great. I love this stuff. So, yeah, the Robot Chicken Ooh. and uh, Eric Andre show and that. And 
All cool. kinds of good stuff on there. All right. Okay, cool. All right. So here we are. We're at the um, Game of Thrones part of the show, Season 8, Episode 5. One more episode to go after this one. This one is called The Bells, which I didn't know until just this very minute. <laughs> but makes perfect sense, having watched the show. Yep. Um, a lot of people complained about this show. A lot of people didn't like this particular episode. I don't know if yes. you heard that at all. I, I did. So I've got some some uh, links in there that we'll discuss. Maybe we will do our recap and our thoughts, and then maybe we'll, sure. we'll get into that because there's a there's a whole world of discussion to be had around this episode yeah we don't need to do a play-by-play but what one interesting comment i have about this and of course if you haven't watched it turn off the tv or turn off the podcast but uh this is your last warning um yeah i mean it's interesting that we didn't see a lot of people actually die except for the worm that that uh, was the advisor to uh cersei what's his name kyburn kyburn yeah except for him like you know because when the the two brothers gwayne brothers what are they called again oh the Gains. They're, uh, they, yeah. they go through the wall. We never really see them. They, in, like the Emperor in Star Wars, Ball of Flame, right? They land into that. Yeah. Um, we never really see what happens with Cersei and, and uh, Jamie because they kind of get, you know, they're just, they're trapped in this piece and it fades away. A lot, there's a lot of scenes in this, in this show where things fade away to black and then you, you know, you pick up another part of the story. So, but anyway, let's, let's dig in. Have you made notes? Oh, yes. I have some notes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh yes, Whoa, him to the ground. Yes, exactly. Off uh, go. Yeah, so I mean, uh, just we'll do the very high level recaps. So the high level recap is that uh, Daenerys is very, very angry uh, because uh, in consecutive episodes she lost her two closest confidants in Jorah and Missandei. Uh, then she finds out at the beginning of this episode that Varys has been trying to betray her or has betrayed her, right, right. and that that's because circling down the line that Tyrion betrayed her, and that also Jon betrayed her, and that also Sansa betrayed her. Uh, so she's feeling very betrayed um and so she's she's quite angry and then she decides okay well first of all we're gonna have to get rid of Varys so she gets Drogon to roast Varys and then she can she sort of has a little moment with John where she sort of says you know I hope that you know we can you know like people don't love me here I hope that we can find a way for this to work and John she tries to kiss John and John says he loves her but then you can tell he's still a little grossed out by the like I'm making it with my aunt thing and and uh so she says, you know, well, if I have to rule by fear, I'll rule by fear, which is a little right. obviously for uh, foreshadowing of what's going to happen as the episode. A little, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and so yeah, the, basically the story unfolds that there's going to be this big battle. We knew it was coming. Everybody's been able to see this coming for you know years and years and years. It's the Battle of the Queens. It's going to be Cersei and her scorpions versus Daenerys and her dragons or dragon at this point. Um, and so it plays out with, you know, Tyrion and Jon sort of advising, like you know, hey, you know, you can bring your dragon in there and you can do what you want. We'll bring in the Insulid and the Dothraki. We'll bring in the Northmen. Uh, you know, we've got a plan, but if they ring the bells, that means they're surrendering. And this that is means Tyrion th- talking, right? This is Tyrion talking. Yeah. Says and, he, and he tries to set that up throughout the whole show, right? Yeah. He says, basically, you know, if they, they ring the bells, that means they're quitting. So stop the attack. And so then he also, he ends up having this this very lovely scene with uh, Jamie. So Jamie gets caught trying to come back down from Winterfell, but uh, Daenerys's soldiers, and then uh, 
uh, Tyrion basically gets in there and frees him and says, you go back to King's Landing, sneak in. I'll tell you the way to get into this place. Sneak in, save Cersei and your baby, get the heck out of Dodge, and there won't need to be a fight, but on your way out the door, tell them to ring the bells because it's going to, otherwise it's not going to stop. They're just going to sack the city and destroy it. And so all that setup leads to a very pretty cool fight scene where basically, uh, you know, starts with Danny soaring out of the sky. She zooms down. She torches the Iron Fleet. Uh, Euron and all his boats, they're trying to shoot Drogon with the uh, the scorpions. Has far less luck than he did last week when he put holes full of, you know, uh, Rhaegal yeah. dropped into yeah. the ocean. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of wonder, so just on that sort of tactical point of view, right? Like, obviously, da- Daenerys is steering Drogon, you know, mm. to, to fly below or fly above, so they have to adjust their their scorpions, right? I think that, and kind of like when she kind of, when she flies in towards the land, and she flies low, so they they can't aim down, kind of thing. Um, I I, I kind of wonder, like, how did she figure out that kind of tactical warfare in like her? How long has she been riding dragons for? Well, she's been riding dragons for about four years in our show I time, guess, but guess, yeah. but yeah, I think she she has the right strategy of you know she saw that obviously you know Rhaegal and Drogon were sort of sitting ducks there yeah, for a while, but yeah. also don't forget she also has come across the 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 uh, Night King who was throwing darts at them for a couple of seasons mm. there too. Right. So I think Good she's problem. gotten to the idea of like this is how I gotta I gotta play this game when I'm writing this thing. This is how this right. works. Right. So yeah, so she uses this pretty sound strategy. Ends up basically torching the entire Iron Fleet, torching a, a good number of the Scorpions on the one side, and then zooms through the city and blows the hole through the main gate using Drogon, killing most of the Golden Company, which was the the, the mercenaries that were hired by Cersei. Uh, at which point the Northmen, the Dothraki, and the Unsullied all come flying in and start basically going after the Lannister forces and the remaining Golden Company, uh, while Danny takes out the rest of the, the Scorpion. Um, while, while Cersei and Kyburn watch the whole thing happening in front of them and are just like, no, no, we, we could still get in one good shot. We could still get in one good shot, but clearly they're they're up the creek. So um, the fight plays out like you'd expect. Boom. You know, uh, Daenerys is just, you know, roasting soldiers. The, the forces, her forces are far too much. They have no way to stop them. And so then you hear the townspeople basically saying, okay, ring the bells, ring the bells, ring the bells, ring the bells. Um, and they do. And the bells ring and you're like, yeah, okay. The, the mercenaries so the, also drop all their swords when they're faced off against John as well, right? That's right. So the, the Northmen and the Draki and the uh, and the Unsullied are basically storming the city. Mm-hmm. They come across about, I don't know what, like a hundred Lannister soldiers blocking, yeah. a, a blocking a roadway yeah. and they're like, you know what? We give up. Like, there's nothing we can do to stop you guys at this point because yeah. the, the yeah. dragon will kill us all. Uh, so yeah, so they ring the bells and you're like, okay, so now what? And then we get this, you know, scene of Daenerys just sort of chewing on her lips and looking really, really mad and, and you know, she sort of has that, that moment of clarity where she sort of decides, you know what? You know, this is not fear. They don't fear me yet, you know? And right. and I can't rule by love in this country, so it's going to have right. to be fear. And she just basically says, okay, Drogon, let's go for a fly. And she spends the next 40 minutes yeah. burning down all of King's Landing and burning down the entire Red Keep. And the Red Keep, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, I mean, it's spectacular. And the way they filmed it, again, Miguel Sapochnik, the, the same uh, director who did the uh, the Long Night and the Bart Home and the Battle of the Bastards, and he's just a genius when it comes to doing these fight scenes. Um, the chaos, the, the the perspectives that he's using and stuff like that, the dragon. Uh, somebody pointed out online, I thought it was really astute, and I didn't notice it in the moment, but, but when it was pointed out to me, I thought, gosh, that is really smart. They never showed Daenerys on the dragon when she was torching the city. All you saw was the dragon. Oh, really? Okay. Hmm. And, and the point being there, of course, that, you know, that she is the dragon. She 
has become the dragon. She is one oh, with the dragon. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So from the, you see everything from a really grounded perspective. You see them from, you know, you see the dragon and the devastation. You see the people's perspective. You see Arya's perspective. You see right. what's happening on the ground. But all you know is that this, this monster has been unleashed on the city. Right. And the metaphor, of course, is that she is the monster that has been unleashed on the city. Right. And there's the um, lore of the dragons, too. Like, there's a history of the dragons. They have the dragon skulls and, and underneath the Red Keep. Yep. You know, and, and the whole mythos around the dragons and how horrible they were. And, you yep. know, and, um, and, and so as this is happening, you know, John is just horrified because the, the chaos around them, the forces, the Dothraki, the Unsullied, uh, and even the Northmen are sacking the city. They're, you know, they're killing and people they're mercilessly. Torched. They are, well, they, and they are too, but they are, they are being monsters too. They're going in there and doing what, you know, people do in a time of, you know, oppression and war. They're, they're slitting people's Rape, throats and, and stealing their things yeah. and raping yeah. and pillaging and all that stuff. And, um, and it's just a horror scene and John's trying to get people to stop and he can't and he doesn't know what to do. And, um, you know, and we get a couple of these little sort of side stories that are playing out with Arya and the Hound uh, inside and Jamie inside. You know, Jamie goes toe to toe with Euron, uh, Greyjoy uh, in a really weird fight scene between the two of them. Um, you know, Euron's like, I'm going to be the guy who kills, you know, Jamie. And it's like, oh, he's got one hand. Like how, you know, how proud are you of yourself? Um, but so Jamie basically kills Euron. Uh, or does he? Well, dun, dun, yeah. dun. he puts the sword through him and twists it twice. I, I'm pretty That's sure true. Euron's dead on that beach. But um, but did you see um, Reservoir Dogs? He could live for several hours. I, I guess. I guess. Um, I'm thinking the swords aren't as clean as they used to be. Oh, uh, guess, and, uh, yeah. uh, Reservoir Dogs. Um, so, yeah. So, and then, you know, that sort of builds up to, you know, uh, the Hound basically stops Arya from going in to kill the queen and says like go get out of here go find your life we'll, we'll get into the problems I have with that one in a little bit but yeah. um, so the hound goes in finally has Plagane Bowl which we've all been waiting for the mountain versus the hound uh, the two of them go toe to toe it is you know maybe not, not everything I was hoping for but it was pretty good um, the two of them basically fight to the death that is the death of both of them they both just basically uh, well, I mean, and the thing about this is the hound actually has some killing blows I mean like he he puts his sword right through his brother yep. you know who's now he's now like a chemically induced person he's no longer himself yeah and just pulls the sword out and then then he puts the, the his dagger through through his head and and he continues to fight and then that's when he realizes the only way to, to do him is to push him out of the wall uh, push him over the wall right but yep. like yeah i mean the hound won that battle three times right yeah you know? well, and the mountain tried he tried to do his uh his, oh, his uh, eyeball thingy yeah red yeah. viper his one move, eyeball his one trick move. yeah 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 you know he puts his thumbs into uh, sandor's eyes and tries to you know basically crush his skull like he did with the the red viper in the, the famous fight yeah. uh, but of course he stops him by putting this putting a dagger through his face um but yeah again you know maybe not everything i was hoping for but still pretty satisfying and kind of the way that it had to end you know that one you could say it ended in a draw but basically you know it was it was uh you know the hound basically making the decisions it was voldemort like, and harry potter give your head give your head a shake well yeah it was basically you know if if i have to die to kill you i'm willing to do that and exactly yeah you know so so it goes down like that so so we lose the hound again not a surprise i think um of course we, we mentioned in there that the mountain decided uh in one of the funnier scenes uh kyburn decides to get in between the mountain and the hound by saying you know no 
oh, you must obey your queen. And the mountain just throws him to the ground so hard he smashes his skull in. Um, yeah. That was pretty funny. Um, yeah, the queen slinks away. And again, another very kind of funny scene. She sort of tiptoes between the two of them and takes off. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She's reunited with Jamie. The two of them, uh, you know, Jamie decides, okay, I'm going to follow uh, Tyrion's plan. I'll take you down here. We'll get out of here. They get down to, you know, the lower part of the castle and uh, there's no way out. They're trapped in there. And the walls are falling the, in, yeah. The walls are falling in, the ceiling's caving in, and we are to assume at that point two of them are crushed uh, by the falling castle and, and die in each other's arms. Again, we'll, we'll get into some of that. but Yeah, I have a problem with that one too. Yeah, Not yeah. that part, but yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, while, of course, all this stuff is going on, Arya is our avatar inside, not unlike she was for, for uh, The Long Night too, where you get that scene of her inside the castle dodging uh, monsters. And this time it's, you know, basically dodging debris and trying to save people's lives and trying to... And not get toasted. Yeah. Not get roasted from above by Daenerys, who is now at this point indiscriminately killing anybody who basically comes across, just burning the entire city to the ground. Um, you know, very again, very effective, very, very well done. Really, really well acted by Maisie Williams. Um, I was I was quite impressed with her. Um, and, you know, the, the, the episode ends basically with, you know, uh, ash falling on the city like snow. So when the it looked a lot like 9-11, I have to say. Well, it did, but it was kind of, it kind of had a, you know, a little winter kind of feel to it, right? You know, we're sort of, yeah. winter yeah. has come, winter is coming. Or oh, the burning of the tree in Avatar as well. Yeah, well, the, yeah, it's basically, it's the aftermath, there are people burned, so there's there's, there's this uh, a mother and daughter couple that, that Arya has run into several times as she's trying to get in and out of the city, and, and uh, she tried to save their lives at one point, in the very end, where she sees them both burned to death in each other's arms on the street, um, you know, and then she like climbs Pompeii, aboard. Yeah. yeah, she climbs aboard this uh, bloodied white, white horse and rides off towards the, uh, the edge of the city. Was that uh, a metaphor? Uh, yeah, I think. Um, yeah. If you know your Bible and you know your literature, it's yes. Riding a pale horse, yes. Um, What's the metaphor? <clears throat> well, upon a pale horse, right? No, I don't get it. So what? expound, please. So the idea is that she is basically, uh, she's death at that point. She is going to be the, the, oh, really? the avatar of death. Oh, really? Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because I kind of went, like, we were talking about this at work, and, and the scene just before that, when, when the mother and daughter get toasted, roasted, whatever you want to call it, um, she's just around the corner. Like, she literally dies behind a wall and, and is protected by that that flame. And then, then she gets up in the sort of really mystical, um, you know, sense and sees the horse and moves towards it and you know calms it and gets on it and rides off into the into the you know out of the city which yep. seems to be calm at this point yep. but so i kind of wonder like is that is that like is that like the the unicorn scene in blade runner you know is it is it like a metaphor of so i was trying to look up the actual biblical reference so it's yeah. it's Re- book of revelation 6 8 uh death rode upon the city with a uh, on a pale horse so oh okay so again so it is a metaphor it's a metaphor right. um literally and yeah and it's a metaphor for death so so the question is, has she become death or is is it a representation? You know, she is among the death. Does this mean that she is now going to be the one who goes after Daenerys uh, for what she's done? Uh, so it leaves, leaves some interesting speculation for this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's sort of, you know, probably a too long recap. But that was the, that was sort of what happened. And it was, you know, um, momentous. Again, we lost some major players in the show. Varys is dead. The Hound is dead. The Mountain's dead. Kyburn's yeah, dead. Jamie's dead. dead. Cersei's dead. Euron's so, dead. Um, yeah, it's 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 another 
another sort of you know last season bloodbath. So let's circle back to and again it's 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 typical of of Game of Thrones that it's just suddenly they're dead, right? It's over. It worked, right? Yep. Now, did you find that Cersei didn't try hard enough? Like that's not the Cersei I know. Um, like she set up her defenses, right? She had the scorpions all around the city. She she had she felt she had the upper hand. There were explosions of, of what was it called wildfire, wildfire yeah, wildfire. throughout the city, right? Yeah. Yep. But you know she's like she toasted the the what was the guy the the, the Jonathan uh, guy played um the, the oh on the yeah creature. the uh, the um, sparrow Sp- high sparrow yeah the high, high sparrow. sparrow she toasts the whole you know high sparrow people yep she blows up the entire high uh, the sept of Baylor the great sept of Baylor right from a distance right like from like across the city like remote control she had like a little you know her Apple Apple TV remote she pushed the button and blew them up right yeah um, and of course that was after the death of her son but um, no that caused the death of his son oh caused son. the death of her son okay right yeah, yeah cause cause that his, was, wife, his girlfriend or wife his, or yeah his died. wife dies in there and so yeah. that's he decides to throw himself out a window but um, do you think I mean like she didn't try hard enough yeah I, I'm, I honestly don't know like they, they did set it up as you know oh the Mino it's a weakened you know Daenerys lost a bunch of her forces when she went north and she's lost two of her dragons and this is going to get really bad and they tried to sort of give you this illusion that you know uh, with these scorpions that, that took out Rhaegal last week like she yeah. was really weakened and that this was going to be a, a walkover which is good because it really was kind of a good sort of you know ruse you, you when when the fight was about to start you were like hmm maybe this is going to get really nasty um, but within about you know six or seven minutes and you see how effective Drogon is um, you realize like yeah that's this is it's 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 like bringing a nuke to a knife fight like it's just it's a joke right so yeah. you know I, I don't know like she's sort of there and she's got that smirk and she's feeling confident and she's like oh it's going to be fine it's going to be fine and it's like mm, it's not going to be fine you know like this this is there's really nothing I think she could have done that that would have really been a difference maker I honestly I'm surprised she didn't uh, piss off sooner and like just say like I'll, I'll rise again another day or something again mm. she's she's being really snotty at a couple points she's like well I've got the golden company and I've got the scorpions and I've got and the Lannister yeah. forces will fight harder than any cell swords and yep. you know she's just delusional like you know and, and Kyburn's sort of standing there going like read the writing on the wall lady this is this is over we're we're done um so yeah i think i think it's just i think it's supposed to illustrate to us as the as the viewers you know we had been we had seen two dragons go down somewhat easily um so we had sort of been a you know uh, it kind of changed our perception of of just how mighty these animals are um so when he when she goes in there and is using this thing as effectively as she can against you know she's not going against a supernatural being she's not going against you know they're not they don't have the drop on her she can see them coming uh, it's just it's just no there's she's no stopping them out yeah. yeah so i think cersei is just you know i think she's just a gas i think she the whole thing is she's supposed to be like first she's in denial and then she's just like well like here we all are you know like i think she's i think she honestly i think she's probably relieved that it all ends with you know the building burning down around her as opposed to having to surrender and put her head on a block too right right yeah that's true that's true so what do you think about daenerys like do you think there was a point where daenerys should have just stopped like 25 minutes into this battle or whatever uh i mean so my my thought on the whole thing is and i've heard and you know we talked about it we alluded to the, before our description of the, of the episode a lot of people are very mad because daenerys was for a very long time not just one of the central characters but one of the heroes you exactly, know she yeah, yeah. saved the slaves she tried to fight for right yeah she's done some horrible things along the way but who hasn't um you know these are warriors and, and in a very violent time you know there's a lot of very questionable behavior going on in these things um but, but the she, whole period with the eggs and the and 
the being thrown into the fire and being put up and being sent to the widow home yeah. she was queen widow i mean like that all that kind of was that was sort of her luke skywalker you know kind of proving her metal you know iron like arthur pulling the sword her walking out of the fire with the dragons eggs or i guess birth dragons right yep that was her pulling the sword of the stone kind of moment right yeah you know so from that point of view i mean i mean if you if you look at the history of alexander the great forever as an example he started out really well but he kind of didn't end well you know yeah and so i i think that's the metaphor right i think the idea is that you know she has all this going for her she has this momentum she believes that by divine right she belongs back on the throne that the dragons were again if you had all these things happen to you if you went into the fire and you came out with you know if you went in with stones and you came out with dragons and people started calling you all those things you know she reels off the you know uh, khaleesi of the great grass sea and the breaker of chains and the mother of dragons and you start believing your own hype right so she believes that this is her destiny and she should be on the iron throne and everything else because she was waffling for a while there she was talking about you know oh you know i'm gonna break the wheel i'm gonna break the wheel i'm gonna end the oppression and everything like that but then she started more and more over the last year or two talking about well the throne is mine i get thrown i'm gonna be the one on the throne she's been talking about that with john well you have a claim to the throne well it's funny she's talking an awful lot about the throne now when before she was like well i'm gonna melt the throne i'm done with the throne like we need to fix the system so now all of a sudden she's really interested in it again right right so here's another another tangent to go down and i don't know if you've even thought about this but one of my friends who watches the show says to me he's he started rewatching the show right yeah and he noticed that in around the third season when john's up on the wall and just before he gets the sword that given to him by i forgot the name of the leader who he saves from the white walker i think right um like remember the, the scene where in the room and the guy's going to kill him and yeah, John lord, comes it's in. lord lord mormont yeah anyway just before that happened john burns his hand yeah right so yeah. if he's a targaryen but he's not a true blood targaryen he's a half blood targaryen oh he's half blood so he, he so he's susceptible to sunburns and and blisters and things right yep and <laughs> they, they do say in, in the books they do specifically say that not all targaryens oh, are they're not all fireproof okay because okay. uh viserys her daenerys's older brother viserys who's in the first season um in the books they make a reference to the fact that she uh when she takes a bath the water has to be boiling hot like bubbling right. hot right but he right. doesn't like that so right. they do establish that it's it is a trait of uh of targaryens but it isn't necessarily all targaryen okay um, gotcha gotcha yeah. okay yeah. all right yeah. I'll, I'll buy that yeah <laughs> um yeah there was one other thing i can't remember what it is now anyway so so what what have the these posts that you've got here say okay so uh so there's been a lot of backlash so you know, we've sort of shared our opinions our opinions are like in my opinion uh this is all it's all been building to this i'm not surprised that this is the direction they went with daenerys they've been building to it however um i do agree with the sentiment that a lot of people hold out there that this wasn't earned that it was just too quick for her to go from i'm the hero to i'm the villain yeah, um, and i and totally. i completely agree i think if this was a 10 season series and we yeah. had time to see her descent into anger and frustration and madness and whatever it is yeah. i think that that would feel more validated the problem is is that you're trying to basically get all this done over the last two seasons well, this is, this and is in the like last the, six episodes and it just feels unearned it's just like the the revenge of the sith where where you know i feel like george lucas is standing there with a checklist going okay this is done okay move on to the next thing okay this is done yeah it, it is and, the, and we and we've been joking about it for two seasons that they went from you know uh, you know Low in the pace. first season it takes them you know a year in the series to walk yeah. from place to place yeah and now like they hop in the teleporter and they're there overnight yeah you know that's the deal okay so that's that's the byproduct of the accelerated seasons you got to get it done the actors want to move on the series runners want to go right you know make star wars 
movies, it's the reality. Okay, fine. So you suspend a little disbelief and just say, okay, they did take that long. It's just that yeah. we don't have to watch it all this time. Yeah. But that works if you're like, hey, we don't need to see people on the King's Road for, you know, six episodes going like, yep, we're still on our way here. We're still on our way here. But it really hurts when it's something like Daenerys going from being a hero to being a monster. You right. need to take the time to process that. You need to show the descent from, you know, I am feeling isolated. I've lost my yeah. friends. I've lost my uh, my assets. I went from being the most beloved person in Essos to the most reviled person in, in Westeros. Um, it, it just is too fast. It's just too fast. You can't you can't do that. It feels like a sudden slam change of gears and people are going to are going to have a backlash. And so that being said, the Internet went ballistic this week. Uh, mm. People are losing their marbles. So the, a couple of the links I have in here and we'll, we'll keep them in here. Um, there's a petition on change.org for <laughs> HBO to have to remake season eight. So oh, really? these, I'm sure the same geniuses who wanted them to remake The Last Jedi. I don't like what you're saying. So therefore, you should change your art. OK, uh, but right now it has one hundred and fifty six thousand signatures. Right. So well. clearly there are some people who agree. Uh, the other thing is that uh, people are Google bombing uh, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff uh, because they now are doing it so that if you search for bad writers, it returns images of the two of them. Google bombing. OK. Yeah. Um, because they think that, uh, you know, that's the way to illustrate that they're frustrated with the. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, other posts have tried to pin images of the two of them to the search terms dickheads and dumb and dumber. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, again, people are clearly quite mad. Uh, I saw a great article this, this week that I, I, I will try and find for us um, about people who are mad because they named their children Daenerys um, because they were such big fans of the series and she was the hero. <laughs> of course, now she started to, to be like a war criminal. <laughs> and they're like, right, right. my daughter's named after this woman who just like murdered children. And um, we're not happy about this. Right, right. Very yeah. funny. Uh, and yeah, so people are just are just going crazy. Um, it did have the highest rating of any um, Game of Thrones episode ever. Most people ever watched it. Um, but the backlash has been fast and furious. Again, I don't think her turn is out of character. A lot of people do. And that's their frustration. I think this was always part of the part of the deal. You know, from the way that she, you know, she literally uh, was, you know, burning people alive. Yeah. She's she been, did say she was going to come and kick their ass like she, all the time. On even the back with the, the masters, you know, the masters, when they crucified uh, the, the the slaves when she was trying to, you know, rescue the slaves in Essos. Yeah. yeah. And then she in turn had them all crucified. Um, you know, she's 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 got the dragon in her. You know, this is not out of character, um, you know. And again, I think she basically in that moment, I just don't know that they had enough time to illustrate or give enough perspective for people to accept the fact that, you know, she says to John, you know, if I can't rule by love, I'll rule by fear. Right, right. She burns only basically the military targets and they're like, we quit. And she's like, they're not going to fear me. They're going to, you know, yeah, I'm going to end up with the, all the these people, exactly, yeah. you know, that is just going to be the next ruler who's got a pet dragon, you know? Well, she's like, well, what? So tomorrow, if somebody decides to assassinate my dragon, then what? Right. Right. But right. she basically makes that call. You know what? I, I got to do this. So she just loses her marbles and just decides, you know what? I'll show them fear. And she right. does. Right. Right. Um, so I'm not, I'm not. I'm not completely out on what she did, um, but I can see why people are are ticked. Who people who are invested and cared and wanted to see her, uh, you know, come out on top, be the queen, be the, the the just ruler, whatever, or for her and John to rule together. Again, I think you know when we look forward to next week, um, it's hard to see a way in which the Arya's, Sansa's, Johns of the world don't you know take great exception to her actions. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that's going to be going to be an issue there. And does she uh, from there? Does you know? Does she 
actually execute Tyrion for betraying her. Uh, true, he, true. You know, yeah. there's there's still some stuff on the table. And again, she's she came out of this fight with her dragon still intact, a lot of her unsullied and Dothraki still alive. There are still a lot of people mm-hmm. that are loyal to her. You know, Grey Worm's still there. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they wrap this up. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it sort of all goes back to to when Cersei and and her are talking, and Cersei keeps saying, "What about the North?" And then Daenerys or pulls Sansa, her hand back. Sansa. S- sorry, Sansa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sansa and and Daenerys are talking, but yeah. the you know that that obviously that that's one particular decision she's not prepared to make. And but and all the way through her her whole arc, she's you know something bad happens, you do something bad to her, she's like, okay, screw you. Yep. You know, no matter what it is, and and um, she you know she always has some way of of getting a little bit of vengeance. You know, this is probably the the most extreme example that she's had, right? You know, be right. Her justice is to torch people. She torched uh, Sam's. Uh, yep, father Sam? and brother, yeah. Yeah, father and brother, and, and yeah, yep. for not wanting to cooperate and so on and so forth, just to show that the kind of power she wields, right? Yep. And Plus the one thing... Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, she's also got the love of her people. I mean, you know... The, well, the, she does, although less and less so. Like, again, the, the Dothraki follow her because she rose from the flames and, yeah. you know, they were like, oh, she's you, mystical, must, you yeah. must be it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, again, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I must say, the more that I reflected on this, the more I thought, I wonder how this last episode is going to play out. This whole series, when you think about it, and, and George R. R. Martin has said before, was about subverting tropes and expectations, right? Right, yeah. So, you know, you've got got, you know, the beautiful princess and the handsome knight uh, who are, you know, in typical stories are the heroes. In this one, they're the monsters. Um, you know, dragons are nightmares in, in these ones, but here they're heroic figures. You know, there's there's all these things that are jumbled up uh, based on, you know, the tropes of, of fantasy and science fiction storytelling and, and just storytelling in general. And it was the first time at the end of this episode, I found myself thinking all the discussion has been who's going to who's going to sit on the throne at the end or who's how's it going to play out and who ends up with who and stuff like that. My question at the end of this was, who says this has to have a happy ending? Right, right. That's true. Like, I think that there's an expectation. You know, you're going to finish a series. A lot of people are invested. But who says it has to have a happy ending? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. who says you have to walk away going, oh, good. That person paired off with that person and they are all in love and this person survived and they, it's all happy, good, and go lucky. That That's that's not necessarily the case. Maybe mm-hmm. this is destined to end badly. True, true. You know, maybe both John and Danny die in the next episode. You mm. know, like, maybe... Maybe this is always going to be a mess, and that's part of the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. So one last thing before we wrap, we close up. We gotta get going to our watch list. But yep. um, when she hands uh, Grey Worm, Daenerys hands Grey Worm. The only thing that what's her name, Mithrani, left behind. Missandei, yeah. Missandei left behind is is her collar, right? Yes, yeah, her slave collar. Yeah, her only possession, and he just tosses it in the fire. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good illustration of uh, of how far gone he is. I think we're supposed to, at that point, just understand that, you know, he is just not about sentimentality at this point. What he's about is vengeance. Oh, you think? Oh, okay, okay. I kind of wondered if it was because, you know, he sort of like never looked back, kind of, you know. This no, is- I, I I took that to mean, you know, I, I don't care right now. I don't care about, you know, sitting here and crying. I don't care about mourning her loss. I care about making who did this to her pay. Right. Burn them. Burn, Burn them. them. Yeah. As yeah. And that's exactly right. Word, that's, right? That's, you're absolutely right. It's, an, it's a very, very clear metaphor for the final message from a Sunday with don't burn them all burn them all yeah. and yeah. to be fair she did yeah that's true she she kept she, she that's 
true. She was asked to burn, burn, to burn them down, basically. Yep. Yep. In in one word, but yeah, still, it probably has. It's probably one of those like you know Dothraki words that has multiple meanings or multiple levels. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I think it's High Valyrian actually, but um, yeah. Mm. So so, what's your take? What? Uh, how do you think this ends? How do I think it ends? Yeah. At this point in time, I really don't know. It's kind of like the ending of Mash. I remember leading up to that, wondering how that last episode was going to turn out, or or even you know the last episode of the Next Generation. Like where where is this going to go? Um, I don't know. Does it start five years in the future? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they find these gems, and they have to go back into the past and fix everything. Um, Hopefully not. Yeah, I kind of. So um, based on what you were saying, I wonder. I want, I'd wonder about John and and Daenerys. I, I think Daenerys. I mean, Daenerys could end up on the throne. That would be pretty cool. But I have a feeling, like you said, that there's going to be some major conflict between her and Daenerys. It's funny that that Arya hasn't done the man with no face trick. Yeah. Recently, right? Because yep. um, she's—I I would think she's still got that up her sleeve, right? Because um, that was always a cool—I don't know if you—I don't know if you ever saw those coming when she she pulled those murders off. But no, um, it was excellent. Yeah, yeah, they were—they were real surprises. But um, yeah, I kind of—I kind of think it could be Sansa. It could be—it could be Arya. Yeah, you know that ends up ends up uh, standing. Yeah, I wonder. I, I even wonder if there will be a throne at the end. I wonder if if you know what's left. You know? Well, where is it? It's buried in the rubble right now. <laughs> well, I wonder if we're going to get a scene. So in there's a scene in one of the first few seasons where uh, Daenerys, is the, remember her dragons get stolen, mm-hmm. um, and then she ends up in the House of the Undying, and she has a vision of uh, seeing the throne room in King's Landing with uh, white stuff falling from the sky and the roof blown off. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. So we actually got a glimpse of that, but I think the idea is that um, uh, we, at the time we thought it was that winter had come to to King's Landing. In this case, oh, it could just be right. Ash, right? right? It could be it could be this. What we've seen is that she's destroyed, you know, not destroyed that part of the keep uh, so yeah huh. what do you think uh i i i wondered if there was some foreshadowing in um what tormund said to john where he, he said you know you belong with us in the north you belong in the north i wonder if he's going to have to kill danny and then he can't live he doesn't want to be the king he doesn't want to live with it and he goes back and he becomes you know uh a northman he goes yeah. uh, not like a northman like where his family is but like yeah, goes to the, the, the far north, north. Yeah. Yeah. the true north yes um i wonder if that's his destiny and then uh my thought after that was maybe Tyrion and Sansa end up together. Uh, you know, a Lannister and a and a Stark. Mm, I keep forgetting with Tyrion. Yeah, he seems to he seems to be uh, bulletproof. Well, uh, that is assuming that he doesn't get you know scorched by his uh, you know his his queen for freeing Jamie and and suggesting that she stand down. Do um, we see where he ends up in the war, like in this battle? Is he? Does he? No, he he's up? just he. We see him walking around and being like horrified at what he's seeing, but we don't really get a resolution beyond his horror because he he knows that she basically didn't listen to him and that she um you know did, did this even though she, did, she didn't need to right right all right well let's move on to the watch list yes indeed yes all right so i got a couple of things on the watch list uh the first one is prospect i don't know if you remember my talking about prospect is something i was looking forward to seeing mm. um it's a sci-fi it's a it's a basically about a uh it starts off with a daughter and her fa- father who are prospectors they're they're on the foreign planet you know um almost like they've almost got like a little you know airstream you know cheap little walmart bought you know pod space pod that they they land on these planets um they obviously have to go collect some some um uh gems that are worth money and then they they get picked up by uh, another freighter and, and away they go right that's sort of their their life right they're they're scavengers prospectors that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. um and from a from a sci-fi perspective these these are the kind of stories i used to love 
love as a kid. Like uh, I, I remember doing some of the advanced, we had these reading modules we had to do in grade school, and that's when I first got introduced to the idea of protagonist, antagonist, and that kind of stuff through you know English comp- comprehension, right? Um, which I wasn't really good at because I didn't really pay attention. <laughs> but um, but they had these amazing sci-fi stories about you know which were sort of written from the point of view of not so much you know you know you pull out a gun and you shoot somebody or or you know kind of how how traditional sci-fi goes, but sort of more pulpy sci-fi like you know okay it's like here it is you know the, we're in the future some point in the future they figured out space travel it's almost like you know the 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 ship that uh, the nostronomo nostronomo from aliens you know they're they're on a mission to mine you know kind of thing and mm-hmm. it's sort of the freighter mentality i think i talked about i think the first book or the second book of the foundation is very much like that sort of you know spacefaring kind of stuff you know like 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 firefly was so from that point of view, it's really interesting. So they land on this planet, um, the ship breaks down, um, and they run into another prospector who's played by the guy who had his eyes squished out in Game of Thrones. Um, the Hound? No, the other guy. Oh, oh Oberon. The, Oberon. The, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Same the actor. Viper. Yeah, yeah. And he shows up, you know, with he shows up and and you know you know basically finds them and, and starts to starts to play mind games with them and stuff like that, which is the kind of kind of sci-fi I like. It's sort of the sort of do you trust this person? Don't you trust this person? All the people on this planet are, you know, they're all out to make a buck kind of thing. And there's not that many of them. And the planet is hostile. So everybody has to wear their helmet all the time and there's this uh, this constant um, dust flying. They call it the dust flying around the around the air, and it's really toxic to to humans. So they have to stay covered up, either in their spa- their little space pods, or they have to stay covered up. So it's a really short. It's a short movie, probably like uh, maybe ninety minutes, two hours at, at most. Um, and it's it's basically from the point of view of, this, of the, the daughter uh, living through this kind of existence, you know, kind of thing, right? Um, you know, she's got her little music player, and she's but her dad's got her doing chores like cleaning air filters and stuff like that and it's it's a really neat sort of story about from the point of view of i mean first it's a neat story but it's also an interesting story from the point of view of how would you survive in that kind of uh, situation you know it's not not like going camping with your dad but it kind of is you know <laughs> that's the first one the second one of course is the wandering earth which i talked about earlier um really good movie i mean like it's it'd be really cool to see this in like a big theater like it's it certainly does work well on on a, on a big tv at home um it's, the production level is like Hollywood plus you know in terms of like special effects and practical effects and and all the renderings and, and artboards and everything like there's it's seamless in terms of how that works the story is, is interesting um, it's about basically the the sun is, is is has expanded and now the people on earth have to find somewhere else to go and so they kind of I'm not going to give it away but they, they kind of fi- have to figure out how to go from one place to the other and you know there's it starts off with an astronaut who goes up to to a, like a space station, like a like uh, like our space station here, lives there for 15 years uh, while he's on this special special mission, and his son and his adopted daughter are raised by their grandfather on Earth in this futuristic Earth kind of thing, right? And but they know that this it kind of a bit like the what's the one with the, the asteroids landing on the um, landing on the Earth and going to destroy it? Oh, Armageddon? Uh, not Armageddon, the, the good one. Um, oh, Deep Impact. Deep Impact, yeah, and you know like Sam Jack or not Sam Jackson, but um, the other guy is uh, the other 
Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman is the president. Yeah, that that one. Yeah. And and you know uh, Frodo is you know got the girlfriend and they get, <laughs> he wins the golden ticket and that kind of stuff, right? Um, Elijah Wood. But uh, it's it sort of got that sort of this sort of the tension between the father and the son and the the adopted daughter and the grandfather. The grandfather is hilarious kind of thing, right? And it's about how they they and of course you know there's a big catastrophe that happens as they're as they're going through this whole episode. Plus, pl- but like I said, the special effects are like like top notch, top notch stuff. Cool. So, yeah. So I definitely definitely recommend people you know, stop what you're doing, go watch that right now. Nice. And that, over to you, John. All right. Well, uh, as far as watch, I would definitely uh, looking forward to catching up on the last uh, season finales of a bunch of my favorite shows. So uh, Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow, all season finales. Uh, Arrow has just aired. It's on my PVR waiting for me. And uh, Flash will be popping onto Netflix tomorrow here in Canada. So I'm looking forward to see how those two wrap up. Uh, can't say I was a huge fan of either of their seasons this year. Flash, I mean, Flash is still one of my very favorite series, and I do love the chemistry of the cast, but it was not probably their best season. Um, and Arrow, obviously, um, they're they're working towards uh, wrapping up their season. They're going to do a shortened season starting this fall. So I'm looking forward to see how they uh, sort of set the table for that. Uh, and Supergirl, of course, wrapping up uh, on Sunday. And uh, so I think we're going to get the, uh, the Red Daughter versus Supergirl blowout fight, which should be a lot of fun. And um, that season turned around a little bit for me. I've been a little happier the last few, you know, um, maybe six episodes or so. Um, I, again, I didn't think it was a very strong start to the season, but uh, but they're finishing strong. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how that, that wrapped up. Um, more the important other, than that, how are the Raptors doing? The Raptors are, uh, they're up by eight in the third quarter with four minutes to go. But uh, anything can nothing. happen. That means nothing in basketball. It truly does not. So right. stay tuned, Raptors fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I checked on here, which it's just one of my favorite things I've seen in ages. So oh, wait, uh, wait, before before you get into this, what do you think about this whole radio station in Milwaukee not playing the Drake Drake music? <laughs> well, the best comment I saw was from Matt Galloway on Twitter today. Yeah, who said, yeah. "Who said does this mean we have to stop playing the Violent Femmes?" That made me laugh. Yeah, um, well, and I, I repl- replied to him, "Does that mean we have to stop watching Laverne and Shirley reruns?" Yeah, can we so can we also stop driving Harley Davidson motorcycles and drinking Miller beer? Also, oh, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it, I, I mean, it's all in good fun. What it does is what Drake it is. have to do with that? Well, I mean, he's a Raptors fan, but. Well, so he's, what? he's the official Raptors celebrity ambassador or whatever. Oh, and he's also, he? okay. he's renowned for being a, a trash talker on the sidelines oh, I see. Uh, right. of, okay. of opposing okay. teams. He was mocking, um, Joel Embiid from the, the 76ers in the last right, series. Right. He's, okay. he's renowned for being, uh, a, a, a troublemaker, troublemaker on the sidelines. Yes. Yes. So. Fair enough. If Gordon Gano from the uh, Violent Femmes starts doing that, then we can stop playing their music. Sure. Uh, so yes, this thing, this thing that is my my favorite thing I've seen this week. Uh, there have been teases on uh, Lego's social channels, which of course I follow because I'm that guy. Um, this week that uh, they have been teasing a little bit of Stranger Thing, and I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder what that is. And they announced this week uh, they're doing this amazing, amazing Lego Stranger Things set. That is, it is the upside down from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a double-sided set that literally flips over from one side to the other. So it's basically a diorama on the top and the bottom, and you basically flip it on its head, and so you're in the upside down. And so it's this sort of famous, you know, it's got all the characters, and it's got the scenes and stuff like that, and it's got the upside down, it's got the Demi Gorgon and stuff like that. It is one of the coolest sets I've seen in ages. Um, very, very, very inventive the way that they've done this, where you've got basically two play sets that are joined uh, with one upside down and the 
other built around these trees and then you flip it upside down and it sits on the tops of the trees no matter which way you want to have it situated it's it's extremely cool right right so i don't remember like so i never really got i know the kids called it the upside down but is it really meant to be upside down no i think the idea is that it's basically another dimension that exists parallel which but the kids call the upside down the kids yeah. call it the upside down so they've taken it to that sort of you know more literal version of it's literally upside down version of that um but yeah it's, it's just it's just such a great idea for a set and just a lot of fun to have this uh this all put together so you can have this little diorama that if you want you can have the one side up or the other side up and all the characters and everything else um it's nice to see them branching outside of sort of the traditional large media uh, lego sets that we've seen a lot you know they obviously they've done the the marvel and the dc and they've done the star wars and you know they have branched into a few different areas here this is sort of a um a different way for them to go but you know also right in that pop culture sweet spot they've been in for the last 20 years or so it's uh it's perfect a good great fit the only drawback of this set is the fact that it's gonna cost uh about 200 dollars us so yeah. probably like 250 ish 260 dollars canadians uh right, it's, right. it's 2300 pieces but still it's that's that's not a cheap thing yeah for sure cool yep all righty well i guess that's it for another week so until next time or yeah next time until next week when we talk about the uh the finale of game of thrones jonathan how can people get in touch with you uh you can find me on twitter and instagram is at jpk new all right and as i kind of screwed up at the beginning my name is tim mitra t-i-m-m-y-t-r-a on the twitter machine is the best way to get a hold of me so until next time we'll see you in the future Bye. bye If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpockCast website at SpockCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpockCast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Yeah, podcast number two in the books. Yeah, you're going for the marathon tonight. Yeah, well, it's my life, right? <laughs> well, you know, you can't be a media mogul without a little hard work. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.